19 in Cairo, Georgia. This is a shocking thing. He was the grandson of a slave. Doesn't seem like it's that long ago, does it? Grandson of a slave. His father left home when he was six months old. His mother moved her family to Southern California where they felt like they would have a better opportunity um, of raising, or she thought she'd have a better opportunity of raising her family there. Um, he ended up going to UCLA and starring in all sports that he, that he was in. Um, what this film clip doesn't tell you, a couple, couple things. And this, by the way, that was uh, Jackie, Robinson, Jackie Robinson's wife who was speaking there at one point as well. Branch Rickey, they talk about Rickey, that's Branch Rickey. He was the general manager and president of uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers. And uh, at the same time, after going through all of that uh, discussion, and, and, and particularly the part where Branch Rickey tried so hard to get him to fight back and called him names and used ethnic slurs and all that to see if he would fight back. When that was all over and Robinson said, yeah, I can do it, Rickey also gave him a little book, a little book written by Giovanni Papini. It was called The Life of Christ. And Ricky told Jackie, I want you to read that, and I want you to read the nonviolent sections of this book and how Jesus never responded with violence. And of course, this was, this was long before Dr. King and so forth with the nonviolent movement that would be going on in the late 50s and 60s. So it was a brand new, it was, it was really breaking new ground. You need to know a little bit about Branch Ricky, um, who really started this whole ball rolling. Branch Ricky as it happens, was from Ohio, not too far from where I was raised. Something about these Ohio boys, I don't know what it is. But um, very, uh, very solid believer, very solid man of the faith, went to Ohio Wesleyan College, strong Methodist. Kind of a, kind of a funny, not so funny part about his life. He, he was sort of a mediocre catcher as he tried to, to come up in the big leagues and, and landed a contract with the Cincinnati Reds, which is a dream of every, every Ohio boy until they get enlightened and realize that the Yankees are really the only team in the world. But... but um, uh, he landed a contract with the Cincinnati Reds, and he got cut. You know why he got cut? Because he wouldn't play on Sunday, because of his religious convictions. Isn't that amazing? I think I could compromise that if I could play Major League Baseball, but anyway, so much about me. Um, um, so he was quite a man of faith as well to make this all happen. And there are many aspects, as you can imagine, there are many aspects about this story that we could learn from and, and uh, that we could talk about. I mean, many aspects of that. But this is the one I'm choosing, this quiet strength, really character that Jackie Robinson showed. And I believe some of it had to do with his faith. I believe a lot of it had to do with his faith. Certainly his mother and, 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 the, and the kind of upbringing he had had a lot to do with that as well and just the way God gifted him and the way God made him. But when you think about that whole thing, and I want to I take you to a passage right off the top here because I want you to... I want you to see why Branch Rickey gave him this book on the life of Christ to read because it included among others. It's hard to get that book now, by the way. I tried it on Amazon.com. There are a few used ones around, and I still don't have a copy of one. But I, do, I did find out some of the things in it. And, of course, one of the classic passages from the Bible that is in it is this passage that I'm going to show you right now, and you're going to read along with me because it talks about Jesus. And in the same sense, I granted, granted, there's a lot of differences here, but this is what inspired him. And this is, I think, kind of cool. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 2. Follow along with me. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing right and are patient beneath the blows, God is pleased with you. This suffering is all part of what God has called you to. Christ, who suffered for you, is your example. Follow in His steps. 
He never sinned, and he never deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. When he suffered, he did not threaten to get even. He left, here it is, he left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried away our sins in his own body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. You have been healed by his wounds. Once you were wandering like lost sheep, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls, Jesus. Isn't that good? I can just say amen and pronounce a benediction and be out of here after that, right? We're not going to do that. But I mean, you're really good. That just says it all right there from 1 Peter chapter 2. And, and, uh, but let me say this. Somehow, I don't know how, somehow, somewhere we have lost Christ's example. Not just in a Jackie Robinson type setting. We'll talk more about that. But I mean just in, in, in Christianity, if you want to call it that, Christendom in general. Too often, people who call themselves Christians Sometimes, you know, sometimes can be, you know, this is going to be kind of a trivial, a, a trivial type of comparison, but that's okay. Sometimes people who call themselves Christians can almost be like football players. You know, how they want to show off after they do something really good. And sometimes we think that we have to, to do certain things like, hey, I'm a, you know, how a football, he said, oh, I scored, hey, look, I scored. Sometimes we think, oh, I have to, I'm a Christian. I gotta, I gotta. Let me show you this. This is just kind of a fun little thing. Let me just show you this. Some Christians are kind of like this. Watch this. We had a weak moment at the office the other day. We thought, let's... <laughs> the thing, the thing that, that, that's so entertaining about that is, <laughs> it's true. I mean, you know, that's, that's an exaggeration, but it's true. And the thing that grieves me sometimes on a, is that sometimes, quote-unquote, Christians think they have to act that way and, and do certain things and be a certain way. And certain things go along with, quote-unquote, being a Christian. The other night, Charlene and I were a great evening. I, I happened to be, I was in the city, I happened to be walking by B.B. King's, and, and uh, they, I saw that the Temptations were going to be there that night. And I called Charlene, I said, hey, get on the train, we're coming in, come on. And uh, so I got tickets. We went to the Temptations. Man. And, and, and here's the thing that was really cool about this. Now, some of you, this is going to go way over your head because you're too young. Just bear with me for a moment, okay? The thing, the thing I always associate with Motown music and the Temptations, it's not just the music. It's not just singing, my girl, my girl, and, all, and the imagination. But it's all this stuff, you know, do you, do you, do you, you know, the whole thing, you know, how the, the, that goes with it. Just think, the people, the people listening to this just missed that whole little move there. They'll never know. Um, how nimble I can be. Well, anyway, all that was with it. All that was with it. It was so cool because that goes with that kind of music and the whole choreographed moves and, and all that kind of stuff. That goes with it. Well, in the same sense as believers, sometimes these, there are these people, well-meaning, I hope, sincere, I hope, who think that certain things go with being a Christian. Let me show you. Let me show you a few of them. We'll go through these very quickly, all right? You know, seven qualities that can tell the world that you're a big-time Christian, all right? What are they? Number one, you talk constantly about Jesus. That's all you want to do is talk about Jesus. You wear a huge cross. You've got to wear a huge cross, you know? Um, you have a lot of rules, and you let me know, oh, I don't do that. I don't do this. This is what I do. What was it Thoreau said? Uh, any fool can make a rule, and any fool will follow. Uh, that was in my, I mean, that's, that's a true, that's a true statement. Um, 
You pass out literature on the street. You got to do that. You got to do that. Saw that the other day coming out of the subway. I just said, Amen. Okay. Um, you use a lot of God words like Amen and Praise the Lord and Hallelujah and all that. Use a lot of that kind of stuff. You're a Christian. You got to talk like that. Got a whole new vocabulary. Got to talk different. Maybe there's some words you don't want to say, but not just that. You got to add these other words to it too. You know. Um, um, you're, you can be generally weird and you blame it on Jesus. You know? You do that, don't you? You just, just be as weird as you want to be. I'm a Christian. Yeah, okay? I mean, it's just, oh. Um, and, and of course, the big one. You make it clear that, that being a right-wing Republican is being synonymous with being a Christian. Those two go together. <laughs> Seven things there. Unless, of course, you're in the sound booth. Then you can be whatever you want to be back there. No, uh, we had a joke about that a couple weeks ago. But um, um, anyway, anyway. How about this? Let's, let, let's, let's walk our walk. How about show people honor? You know, how about be compassionate? How about reflect joy? That's a big one. How about pursue meaningful relationships without an agenda? You know, no, not looking for something in return. Not trying to get you to do business with me or whatever. How about just be an agent of grace? See, those are all inner person characteristics, character, those kinds of qualities, you see. So when we talk about Jackie Robinson, you know, it would be hard to find, it doesn't matter what race a person happens to be, it would be hard to find people today, I mean, there are some obviously, who are just going to walk the walk. You know, and just say, you know, say what you want to to me. Not strike back, not fight back. That's why this was such a huge deal. I mean, this was huge. And, and uh, certainly we look at the 60s and, and Dr. King and all the wonderful things he accomplished. Some people believe, and I'm one of them, that this really started it right here. Because Jackie Robinson took the whole racial thing into our everyday lives. Sports. You know? It wasn't just theory. It was where we lived. And it was huge. And it was just, I mean, the things that some of these, even, even later, even 10 and 15 years later, that some of, the, some of the ball players in any sport that were of color were dealing with, just, just phenomenal stuff, just terrible stuff. So what I want to do is take this even into the area of our, of our Christian lives. I want to show you three thoughts here, very quick ones, but they're, they're important ones. And one's from a preacher from England, and it's a good one. Look what he says. A man who lives right and is right has more power in his silence than another has by his words. Well, that was Jackie Robinson right there. Great Roman thinker and philosopher Seneca said this, If you see a man unterrified in the midst of dangers, untouched by desires, happy in adversity, peaceful amid the storm, will you not say a divine power has descended upon this man? And one of my favorite quotes from from St. Francis Preach the gospel at all times. Use words when necessary. And you just live it. I want to make one point today. One point, and I have a couple little things to kind of support that, but it's real simple. What you do and don't do is the consequence of who you are. What you do and don't do is the consequence of who you are. Thomas Edison said it this way, what you... What you are will show in what you do. And that is so true. 
And you know, Jesus taught this very clearly. Jesus taught this. And I want to show you the passage that he teaches us. It's in Matthew chapter 7. Just, I've got it right here for you. Just follow along with me. I'll talk about it in a moment. Beware of false teachers or false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really wolves that will tear you apart. You can detect them by the way they act. Just as, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you don't pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. A healthy tree produces good fruit. An unhealthy tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. A bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, the way to identify a tree or a person is by the kind of fruit that is produced. By what they do is a reflection of who they are. Jesus says that. Let me show you real quick from the message uh, translation uh, paraphrase. Same thing, same passage. Just let me show you this real quick. It's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of interesting. Ready? Here it is. Um, be wary of false teachers. Do we have that? Be wary of, be wary of uh, false preachers who, look at, who smile a lot, dripping with practiced sincerity. Chances are they're out to rip you off some way or other. Don't be, don't be impressed with charisma. Look for character. Who preacher, uh, you know, who preachers are, are is the main thing, not what they say. Who they are is the main thing, not what they say. A genuine leader will never exploit your emotions or your pocketbook, which is what we were talking about earlier. What you do and don't do is the consequence of who you are. Therefore, therefore, this is an important point, and we need to say it, focus on the inside. You know... That's the issue here. Focus on the inside. And that's the issue and, and, and th- that we have to really think about. There's another passage here. Um, let me show it to you. It's in Philippians chapter 3. For God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey Him and the power to do what pleases Him. God is working, on you, working in you. Now, there's a couple things real quick. He's talking to the person who has committed his life to Christ. He's talking to the believer here. Now, you say, well, I don't know if I'm there. Not. That's okay. You can listen. Um, uh, because this is, this, is, this is an inside job, this whole thing about following Christ and, and being a Christian and so forth. It's an inside job. And, uh, and you need to think about that a little bit. And, and um, there's, a, there's a term here. We're going to do a little, we're gonna do a little um, what do we call this? A little, little parenthetical theology. How's that? Is that okay? That's something. Look that up in the dictionary. Parenthetical theology. Um, you know what? It just occurred to me about something. Henry, you didn't remind me. The kids. Ah, oh, you're in here. Stay in here. You might learn something, okay? That's okay. Sorry, guys. Stick, for the ne- stick around for the next service. We'll let you be dismissed, okay? You've got to remind me of that stuff, all right? Um, it'll be good for you. I promise. I'll, I'll try to keep it short and simple, all right? But let me, let me give you this real quick little parenthetical theology here. There's this word that you learn if you're taking it in your seminary class or something. It's called sanctification, okay? Kind of a big word. It's kind of a cool word. I like it. Sanctification. It means to be set apart. And, and basically what it means is that God is at work in the life of the believer, sanctifying, setting him apart or her apart in their life. It's a process. You know, that's not only good theology, that's a good life lesson. Because that's the issue here. God is at work in you. Is there ever a time when he's finished? No. Not until you go home to be with the Lord. Not until you die. Is that, is that something for all people? It's for all people who are even exploring in some way, I believe, so, some way 
their faith and about God. God's at work and we're at different levels where, you know, there's a, if, we, if we picture life as a, as a little journey, as a little road, we're at different spots along that road. The difference is we're all on the same road. That's the, that's the common denominator. Hopefully, some of us got to get, you know, waylaid a little bit and knocked down and put in the ditch. Some cases by our own doing, some cases by other people's doing, some cases it just happens. But somewhere, and this is, this, I talk about this a lot because it's important to me. Somewhere, and I've tried, I'm a, somewhat of a student of church history. I love it. And if I ever, I don't know if I ever will now, but I, if I ever pursue a, a, another a graduate degree or a graduate degree, it would probably be in church history because I just love church history. Somewhere in the history of the church, as best as I can tell, around the fourth century, maybe a little bit after that, uh, we, we, we started getting away from this concept of an inside job. We started thinking about the fact that Christianity became more of what I do and don't do. And then, of course, we got into the all kinds of other stuff. That after that, we got into the, the Victorian area and all the other the Puritans and great people, sincere. But we, we, really, we really sort of relegated this thing of being a believer down to what I do and what I don't do. And the church, the church has not taken the lead on this concept. Psychology does. In some cases, certain avenues of the New Age movement does, although the New Age movement is no longer new, about 50 years old now. But the church hasn't taken the lead, and they should, because that's what Christ does. He does the work on the inside, and it works its way out. Somebody, somebody making fun of me one time, I hope they were, they, were, they were being sincere, I don't know if they were or not, I don't really care. They said, you believe in oozology, because I used to always say, before I moved to the Northeast and got sophisticated, I used to say that, that you know, if God's at work in you, it'll just ooze out. Well, of course, now I know many, many, many bigger words, and I know I would never, <laughs> never, never stoop to, to, you know, I got around all these Ivy Leaguers and Wellesley people and, and, and whatever else, so I'm, you know, bringing my vocabulary up a little bit. But you know what? There's not too many words to describe it better. It just oozes out when God is at work inside of you. It's just, it's just oozing out. And that's what Jesus is saying. You're going to know a tree by its fruit. You're going to know a person by his or her fruit. It's an inside job. The one who trusts in Christ begins this lifelong transformation process. And you know, you don't think about it on a daily basis all the time. You think about the victories and the defeats, the setbacks, the things that happen, the good things, the bad things, and and, and ultimately, you know, even some of the bad things become good things, you know, which is kind of cool. So you want to try to cooperate with that whole process. You want to kind of recognize that and, and realize God is at work in me. If I've, if I've committed my life to Christ, even if I'm thinking about it in some way, otherwise, God is at work at me, inside of me. And for those of us who've come to that line and crossed that line, that, that intangible line of faith, and we've said, Lord, I do want to live my life for you, God's at work in us in, in some pretty cool ways. Again, that doesn't mean we're perfect. And that doesn't mean we're always going to do things right. I mean, we're always going to say the right things or do the right things or, or whatever. You know, I, the other day, I, you know how I used to, you know, you don't hear me say this much anymore. Remember when I... Those of you who've been here for a long time, I used to always kind of chastise those of you who, who honk your horn at people. Well, the other day I find myself somewhere, and I mean, you know, some idiot's going about 20 miles an hour, and I got 400 places I got to go. 
And I find myself sitting on my horn, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. You are such a hypocrite, you know, um, which we all are at times. I tried to quit. You know, it's, it's different in the summertime. In the summertime, my top down, I feel more vulnerable, and I won't, I won't do that. But if my top's up and I got snow all over it, I'm like, <laughs> we all have some of those setbacks. You say, was that a setback? Well, it was for me in that particular. I'm not saying every time you honk your horn, you're in sin. In that case, it was for me. Um, that's all I can deal with. Um, focus on the inside. Because that's where God's at work. Whenever I say this, there are always people who, who don't like this. And I, I can pretty much classify the kind of person that doesn't. But I'm going to say it again anyway, just because I like doing this. I don't really care what you do. I don't. I don't care what you don't do. I care about your heart. And I care where that's focused. Because that dictates everything. Because there's a whole lot of people who do the right thing and don't do the wrong thing whose hearts are crap, man. What good does that do? What good does that do? Uh, It's not pleasing to God because the Bible is very clear about this. God is looking for those whose hearts are directed toward Him. That's the issue. The other other supporting statement that I want to give you when I talk about what you do is a consequence of what you are. First, focus, therefore, on the inside. Secondly, and, and you know this is probably going to come, don't you? Therefore, give yourself and others some grace. Give yourself and others some grace because we're all human. Give yourself some grace. You're going to screw up sometimes. And sometimes you're going to stop and you're going to step back and you're going to think, I can't believe I said that. Or in some cases you're going to think, I can't believe I had that thought. Hey, you know what? That's bad and I'm not, I'm not being antinomian. I'm not saying, okay, do whatever you want. I'm not saying that. But I am saying those of us who are on that, that, that journey of, of following Christ, wherever we are, sometimes we need to give not only others but ourselves some grace. That's why Jesus came. That's why He died on the cross. That's why He rose again to give me salvation and eternal life and abundant life and to forgive my sins. That doesn't mean that I just capriciously go out and sin all I want to. I don't like doing that. We don't normally when we, when we have given our lives to Christ. Let me show you. Just from Colossians, very quick, simple verse. I love this verse. I've quoted it many times. Colossians 3.13, You must make allowance for each other's faults. That includes yourself, by the way. And forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So we talk about Jackie Robinson and the kind of character that he showed. He couldn't one day on April the 15th in 1947 just all of a sudden wake up and say, which was the opening day, first day that he would play in a Major League Baseball game. He couldn't all of a sudden wake up and just say, okay, I'm going to put the screws to my behavior and I'm going to be a good boy. You know, if he waited until then to do that, never would have worked. Never would have worked. He'd have gone back to the minor leagues. Racial relations would have been set back for who knows how many years and the whole thing would have been scrapped. It had to come from the character that is inside a person. And true character... Certainly, it's formed by a lot of different things, but the main motivating factor in true character has to be, as I understand the Bible and as I understand life, a relationship with God. He forms our character in those, in those silent moments, those quiet moments. 
That's why the Bible is full. I didn't even begin to get into all that. That's why the Bible is full of these kinds. God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey Him and the power to please Him. My exhortation, my encouragement for you this morning, you're dealing with different issues maybe in your life. Maybe you're dealing with some thoughts. Maybe you're dealing with some habitual sins. Maybe occasional sins. My, my exhortation is not just quit it. My exhortation is get with God. Ask God to, to begin or to continue, depending on your situation, working in your heart. To do exactly what this verse is talking about that I just read to you. Working to, to, to one Bible says, to will and to work His pleasure in you. In this particular case, it's giving you the desire to obey Him and the power to do what pleases God. That's where it begins, that's where it continues, and that's the summation of it all. That's character. God working in me. It's a great thing too. Let's pray together. God, these are, these are so, so important truths. And Lord, I, 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 I fear sometimes that we, we don't talk about this enough, even though it's very repetitive for me. And Lord, you know each person here, you know each situation, you know what each person is dealing with, you know where they are in their behavior, um, good and bad. And Father, I pray that each one of us would come before you and say, Lord God, I want, I want you to be at work in my life. I know you are. I want to I cooperate with that process. I want to be, be a willing, uh, pliable, moldable human being moldable by the Spirit of God, working in me and around me. Lord, I pray for each person here, that each one of us would think through that, would uh, deal with that, and would ask God to ask you to work in our hearts according to our own individual situation. We pray that, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.